This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select... Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline. Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome back to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lee, here on a rainy day in Portland, Oregon. That's right, I record from Portland, Oregon, but born and raised Chicago, Illinois, I know what it's like to live out there. I know what it's like this time of year. It's, uh, you know, it's mid-December. Nothing's happened yet. You think you're in winter? You don't know anything. You got months of this ahead. So I'm here in solidarity. It's wet. It's cold. It's gray. On some level, that's got to count for something. So uh, today, a big one as we preview the Redemption Tours uh, penultimate moment as the Packers are the opponent this Sunday. The Bears will go into Lambeau Field to face Aaron Rodgers and the secretly not that great Packers. All right, that's pretty homery talk, but I think we should talk about the Packers, how they got to this point, and uh, how they're really maybe not as good as their record. There's a lot of hints of what the Bears were last year, which is, wow, they just seem to be rolling and can't seem to lose a game and look at that record, but there are some chinks in the armor. The big difference being that the Bears chink in the armor uh, played uh, the quarterback position, and well, Aaron Rodgers is not the Aaron Rodgers we once knew, I don't think that's necessarily the weak link of the team. So, you know, did a little looking around this morning, some statistical digging, trying to figure out exactly how they've gotten to where they are, they being the uh, hated Packers. I don't really hate them. Is that bad to say? Is it bad to say that I don't hate the Green Bay Packers? I don't like them. I really hate playing them. But do I abjectly hate them and FTP and all that kind of stuff? Ah, sometimes. Sometimes I do. But right now I don't. And the reason why is that the Bears don't have a whole lot on the line. I understand that the playoff odds and, you know, we need to win out and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, there was a period earlier this season, not that long ago, where we kind of considered it lost. And so we're on a, all kind of on bonus time right now. If things are to go bad, it won't hurt as badly as it did earlier this season when, um, yeah, it was a week-by-week curse fest here on the show. So the Packers, 10-3, and three, leading the NFC North by just a game over the, the Vikings, and the Bears sitting in third place, comfortably in third place at 7-6, and six, and the Detroit Lions lining the basement at 3-9-1. Good Lord, the Lions. Terrible team. 
Terrible team. They lost their quarterback at one point this season, but I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see some firings there. But I digress. Back to the Packers, who are 10-3, and three, but really, if you dig into their statistics in any sort of fashion, you'll find that, um, yeah, that seems like a little bit over their Pythagorean expectation. For instance, 270 points allowed already this year, only 309 scored. That's a really, really tight margin for a team with that sort of win-loss record. Whereas the Bears, 7-6, 243-4, 232 against. That's a little more in line with what you might expect. So I took a look at some of the highlights from last week just to understand where the Packers are currently. And they played the Redskins at Lambeau Field, and I almost bet on them in an eliminator pool. Thank God I didn't, because that game was way too close for comfort. And strangely, it is the uh, the offense that just can't seem to get untracked in the passing game. So uh, Rodgers finishes with, let's take a quick look here. Rodgers' season is littered with mediocre outings. I've just never really seen anything quite like it. He had one game. I believe it was against Philly, which has been exposed as one of the, not the worst teams in the league, but one of the, the uh, at least in terms of the expectations coming into the season, has underperformed expectations amongst the most in the league. So Rodgers went off for 422 yards that day, but every other game, well, no, he, he did it to Oakland too. But let's just take the last month of games for him. So against Washington, 195 yards passing. Against the Giants, 243 passing. Against San Francisco, the debacle of their season, 104 yards passing. Carolina at Lambeau Field, 233 yards passing, only a 58.6% completion percentage. And then against the Chargers, 161 yards passing. So clearly something is wrong with the Packers and their passing game. Uh, You would have to say that going with that, is a much more effective run game, and at least in terms of trying to preserve the career of Aaron Rodgers now and into the future, that bodes well for them. But the problem is that the offense can't get off in the ways that it used to. They've also had some injuries at the wide receiver position. There isn't a lot of depth there and a lot of trust in receivers. Devontae Adams coming off a turf toe that has hampered him for most of the season, clearly not 100%, um, but still featured in the past game. And then... You have Aaron Jones was their leading receiver last week. They're running back for six catches for 58 yards. Uh, Obviously, he's a really dynamic player, and if you've got him in a fantasy league, it's been a great year for you. But beyond that, uh, Jimmy Graham, you know, he's still out there catching a few balls. Uh, Alan Lazard, Geronimo Allison sort of falling off the, the, the wagon for them. They really don't have a lot of weapons in the pass game. So for the Bears who have struggled to stop the run uh, with all the injuries they've taken in their front seven. Really, steps one, two, three, and four are going to be bottling up Aaron Jones. And this is crazy to say out loud, making Aaron Rodgers beat them. And if you look back to week one of the season, and it's been so long, uh, so much has happened since then, and I'd very much prefer not to talk about the offensive performance in that game whatsoever, Defensively, the Bears kind of had Green Bay figured out. Now, that was a new coach, a new system. That was their first game. It was, you know, there was barely a preseason to speak of. Uh, And so 
it's hard to glean too many pearls of wisdom from that performance. But I think on the whole, you can say that the Packers really haven't had an unbelievable year at the offensive uh, at the on the offensive side of the football. Now, if you look at their DVOA rankings, they're sixth in the league, and I think part of that's predicated on a really positive run game on not making negative plays and doing enough to win. There's also been a few outlier performances that may or may not have juiced that ranking. They're also ranked 20th in defense. And so my take from the beginning of the season was the Packers made some really, really smart free agent uh, signings, and almost all of those free agent signings have have paid off. So you have Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith as edge rushers. Zadarius Smith specifically has been really, really great for them. Excuse me. And then uh, our beloved, long-lost Adrian Amos at at safety has been really good this year. Combined, I believe it is, eight uh, interceptions and pass breakups. I don't know that those things should be combined, but I saw that on PFF, so I'll just parrot it back out. Uh, Obviously, he's a great football player, and he's made a few more plays on the ball in the... uh, and the Packers defense than he did for the Bears. Maybe that's a function of him just knowing the league a little bit better. But either way, uh, a quality football player uh, missed in Chicago, despite the fact that HaHa Clinton Dix has done well in his one year here in Chicago. So for me personally, I think the game is going to be about uh, what Mitch Trubisky can do against a really talented defensive coaching staff. Mike Pettin did a hell of a job in the first game of the season, confusing the bejesus out of Mitch Trubisky, making it really difficult for him to make his reads. Mitch obviously, you know, wasn't uh, the well-oiled machine that he is now. Uh, He just hadn't had any reps, uh, game reps, and that's really something we've come to understand as a critical part of Mitch's success is stacking uh, games. He just needs to play games uh, consistently, whether from injury or the end of season or the preseason, whatever it is, whenever there's a gap of time between him seeing live uh, live fire, you can almost guarantee a substandard performance. And so Mitch now is on the heater of his life, which isn't saying a whole lot, but it's still saying something. And I think, okay, he has a decent game against the Giants. And again, decent. These are all couched in in respect to his previous performances. Okay, but it's against the Giants, and they couldn't uh, they couldn't stop a nosebleed in the passing game. So that's fair. That's fair. And then the next week comes up, and it's the Cowboys. All right, we've got a real test. You know, the Cowboys have had their struggles, but there's a ton of talent on the defensive side of the football. This will be a litmus test. By the way, it's a primetime game. It's a night game. Mitch doesn't perform well in those arenas. So here we go. Here's a real one. And Mitch lights it up. Lights it up and is running up and down the field. And immediately... That was discounted by, I would say, the majority of national pundits, uh, internet commenters, bloggers as, well, the Cowboys are a tire fire. And so, you know, Mitch played okay, but don't go nuts with it. I'm not going nuts. I'm just saying that if we're going to start the week out by saying that Mitch uh, really has a test this week in the Cowboys and he's not going to be able to put up points to go along with that offense and uh, this is really a litmus test for him. I think he deserves a little bit of credit when he delivers on that and kind of eviscerates a very talented uh, defense that isn't performing up to expectations. I thought it was well-schemed by Nagy and even better executed by Mitch Trubisky. So now we're on to the Packers, who are actually not rated all that highly defensively. They've had some trouble uh, stopping the run, and they are very much a bend-don't-break uh, defense. So 
currently ranked 20th in DVOA and have given up a, a good number of yards. What they tend not to do is give up touchdowns, and I think that'll be the critical element for the Bears in this game is can they get seven when they get to the red zone? So we'll get to that. But I will say uh, after the Giants, after the Lions on Thanksgiving, don't know why I didn't mention that before, and then against the Cowboys, now we're in against a zone man matchup uh, defensive scheme, and this has really been the bugaboo for Trubisky. So I really hope that the Bears are looking at the run game, how it's been effective against the Packers for multiple teams, including the Redskins, who really aren't that good at it, and how Mitch Trubisky was incredibly effective running the ball and what that did to open up the offense. So things are trending in the right direction for uh, the Bears in terms of their own performance and that the the Packers, despite being 10-3, and three, look really, really vulnerable. So a couple things to look at on the injury front. The Packers have incurred a number of injuries on the offensive line. They've lost one of their starting guards for the year. They've also lost Bulaga to a sprained MCL that he is playing through. So that bodes well for the Bears in terms of being able to get pressure on Rodgers. I think the bigger issue will be, has been and will be, can they stop the run uh, and can they get to third and long on Aaron Rodgers? Because at this point, Rodgers' escapability is down, uh, his desire to take hits is down, and he doesn't have a lot of options going down the field, so it takes a while for the receivers that are there to uncover. It bodes well for the Bears' defense. The Bears, unfortunately, have incurred a bunch of injuries on their own, and so we're recording this on a Wednesday morning. The injury report isn't quite out yet, although we can take a look. Nope, nothing yet. We're not quite there yet, so we'll get there. Um, I'm sure there is some interesting stuff that's going to come out. But there is something we do need to talk about, and that is the prospective return of the Chicago Bear, Akeem Hicks. It looks like he's going to be able to play. I don't know if that's going to be the case. We haven't seen any indication that he's not, but he's been at practice. There's been a lot of optimistic talk coming out of Hallis Hall, and I'm going to say it here today. Akeem Hicks, back against the pack, and it's going to be beautiful. I'm telling you, if you got Akeem giving even a little bit of push up front, even if he's not all the way back in terms of his elbow and his strength, he's going to command attention. It's almost like a three-point shooter. Even if he's not hitting his shots, you got to respect that he's out there. And I think that's going to open things up a little bit for Khalil Mack and, uh, and obviously for the secondary and tertiary pass rush pieces the Bears have as a result. So if Akeem Hicks is there just to command attention, just to make them scheme for him, then that's a win for the Bears. So you got to feel good about that. The rest of the injuries... Uh, have been at the second level at the inside linebacker position. And I have seen article after article this week written about Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Kevin Lewis-Pierre. Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Again, huge fan of him. Always have been. <laughs> Who played an unbelievable game against Dallas, not only uh, in coverage, but being used as a rusher. And I, I would point to, if anybody out there has got a really good uh, subscription to The Athletic, Dan Durkin did a really good breakdown of what the Bears did and how good KPL played this weekend. That's right, KPL. He already, you know, he deserves it, man. We're into acronym land with that guy. 
So it's Nick, White Nick, as Khalil Mack would say, and KPL likely will be the guys with Roquan Smith out for the year with a pectoral injury, and Danny Trevathan weirdly not on IR uh, with his dislocated elbow. Uh, I guess maybe the Bears are hoping he, he can come back at some point, but it really, uh, no position on the Bears, and, and few position groups amongst the NFL have had the depth that the Bears have had at the inside linebacker position. They're playing backups at both positions, and you got to feel good about the players that are going to be playing on Sunday. So that bodes well for them. Uh, otherwise, you have to look for Prince Amukamara, uh, you know, and his bad hamstring at the cornerback position. Could he be back? Will he be back? And if not, is Kevin Tolliver going to be up to the task of um, making sure Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a bunch of easy throws to move the sticks? So that... Uh, looms large on the offensive side of the football. I guess for me, a curiosity is going to be whether or not Taylor Gabriel returns and it, it, you know, had, had other injuries not taken place. I suppose it would be an even bigger question with the emergence of Anthony Miller, that connection to Trubisky, what it's done to make the offense more dynamic. Uh, it's not that Taylor Gabriel isn't a good football player. It's that Anthony Miller, if he can get his head on straight, if he can make the plays, if he can run the routes as he's supposed to and be where he's supposed to be and continue to to foster that connection with Trubisky, is a much more dynamic football player. So I would, was going to say, if Gabriel is back, what does that do to hinder that growth that we've seen the last few weeks with Miller? But Javon Wims out with a knee injury, which doesn't sound like it's going to be a serious one, but certainly will take him out for this game. If Gabriel is back, maybe that's just how that works. I personally would like to see the Bears continue to feed Miller the ball, make him the uh, maybe the third uh, target in the offense after Allen Robinson and David Montgomery. Also, the Bears have gotten a little bit of help in the pass game from their tight ends, from their bottom-of-the-barrel tight ends, J.P. Holtz and Jesper Hol uh, Holstead. I think, you know, again, just using them enough to keep defenses honest, especially Early in the first drive, that's something we saw in the last game against the Cowboys, was uh, J.P. Holtz featured in the pass game three different times on the first drive of the game. That really set the Bears up for success and put the Cowboys' defense on their heels. You definitely want to see a little bit more of that. And again, just finding uh, lanes in the run game is going to be critical. Kenny Clark on the Packers, I don't know if you guys have seen him, but he is an all-pro player and absolutely blew up the Bears' offensive line in week one of this season. And I think that's a key to focus in on is are the bears able to handle him on, in the interior? He is definitely the green Bay Akeem Hicks. And uh, I think if he's in the backfield, if he's blowing up plays, the bears are going to have a hard time running the football. Alternatively, if they can get to the edges the way that they had been and, uh, and move, move the football on the ground, it bodes really well for Trubisky. It bodes well for Nagy's play calling. It certainly bodes well for the Bears' ability to move the ball down the field. So I'll be looking for that. And uh, I think the Bears will probably be running a little bit of their screen game as well, trying to get the ball out quickly and on the perimeter early on to gas the Packers' defense. Beyond that, uh, really not much else to say in terms of the expectation for the game. I think uh, the kicking game for the Bears has come around a little bit. I have a little more faith in Pinero than I had in like, the previous month. His last few kicks have gone down the middle. Mason Crosby, one of the absolute best in the NFL, going through a little bit of personal strife uh, in his family, which doesn't need to be talked about here, but certainly 
could um, factor into his performance. Either way, one of the most consistent uh, kickers in the NFL. I think he's 92 for his last 95. Certainly the advantage goes to them there. And then in the rest of the uh, special teams rankings, I haven't watched enough of Green Bay this year to know exactly how they're doing. I mean, if you want a DVOA ranking, 11th in the league in special teams, no way to break that down in terms of, is it the return game? How are they doing on, on covering? But Cordell Patterson is on a heater of late, and it bodes well for the Bears that if he can get the ball and get a couple runs, maybe just kind of break things open a little bit. Also, the Packers, their linebackers in coverage are a bit of a problem, and I think if we're ever going to be able to see Tariq Cohen make a couple of game-breaking plays, a couple of explosive plays, God, I hope it's this week, you guys. It's just to the point that, you know, I think the expectations are lower for him. And as other guys have stepped up, you've got David Montgomery starting to get on track. You've got Allen Robinson, a threat and a half, and you have Anthony Miller breaking plays. Maybe Tariq is going to be the guy that, you know, isn't seeing the attention he once did. Now, I was reading an article. I'm sorry, I don't remember which one it was uh, just the other day. And the word on the street is that Tariq Cohen is bracketed in coverage just about every time out, or he gets chipped by a lineman and <laughs> knocked into a, another orbit. Maybe this is the week that we see a little bit of change there. I would love to see him on option routes out of the backfield. He's been used really well to move the sticks the last couple of weeks on third and fours, just very quick perimeter throws that get four or five yards, or even a first down just to kind of get a second and short, second and five kind of situation. I think the Bears should continue to do that, but I would love to see him on a couple of deep routes, maybe an over route. Let's really see if they can get him out into open the open field and get him down and get him six for the first time in a damn long time. That's kind of what I'm looking for. Predictions. Well, that's a lot of talking. Predictions for the Bears this week. I have a bet with a Packers fan friend that the Bears are going to win this game. The Bears are going to go on the road against a 10-3 and Packers team that they couldn't do jack against in week one, and they're going to win. Why do I think that? Well, let's list the reasons. One, the Packers are 10-3, and three, but they maybe shouldn't be. Uh, look, you, you are your record. I can't take that away from them. But if you look at their rankings, if you look at what they're giving up, if you look beneath the box score just a little bit, you can see a lot of vulnerability. And the Bears are not the San Francisco 49ers or anybody quite like them, but there's enough tape out there to know what you can do to um, really stop the Packers' offense cold. They don't have uh, a lot of a change-up from their fastball at this point, and they have a young coach that's still learning to make those adjustments. And then defensively, as discussed ad nauseum, they're soft. They're a bend-don't-break team. Again, they know at this point, Pettin knows exactly how to att attack Trubisky. But I, I would say that the Bears have, have finally seemed to learn, and, and this will bear itself out on Sunday, in Trubisky's true test that I really hope if he does well, we can say, okay, now he's facing good teams and good defenses. We should give him a bit of credit. I'm sure we won't. Well, I'm sure I'm sure the <laughs> I'm sure the word on the street will be that uh, well, the Packers defense actually isn't that good and 
I, I don't know what it's going to take. And then they have Kansas City the next week. Obviously, you can take a lot away from the Kansas City defense. And then finally, you have the Vikings, who you know the Bears beat earlier this year. And I guess they're good too. I don't know. I kept looking at the schedule saying the last four games of the year are going to be impossible. How are we ever going to win any of those? And now you talk about them out loud and you say, hey, the you know Trubisky might never face a really good defense before the end of this year. Who was the best defense that the Bears faced this year? I'd have to say um, the Saints. The Saints game at home. Ugh, those are terrible memories. Yeah, maybe the Saints at Soldier Field. They really took the Bears out of what they were doing. And um, the Bears weren't doing much anyways, and they were helping the process out. But certainly the the front seven for the, the Saints is really fantastic. The game at the Broncos earlier this season, also a really quality defense, although they hadn't quite figured things out yet. It's funny, you look back at the season schedule and you just see, you know, what looked like a really, really, really difficult schedule is now looking, uh, you know, not not quite so bad. The game at the Rams was another one. The Rams have started to put things back together. That began against the Bears. Um, they look really, really good on defense now and shut down Seattle last week. So maybe, maybe them, but overall there haven't been you know, the same kind of tests against a 49ers defense or a Ravens defense or um, I'm trying to think of another, you know, really quality defense that uh, – or, or the Patriots. The Patriots would be another one. So we're just not going to get that test for Trubisky this year unless we, you know, scrape our way into the playoffs and see them in the Super Bowl. Nah, I, I don't I don't mean that. But as it pertains to the Packers, uh, yeah, I, I'm really curious to see if Mitch has taken a step. And I would say that – not because of the rankings of the Packers, but maybe perhaps because of the scheme they run, whereas the Lions were convinced they had to go with the man coverage because Matt Patricia is a garbage coach, and the Cowboys with their uh, struggles on uh, with injuries, with Van Der Esch out, and Sean Lee in, um, and just some of their troubles with tackling. There were enough things there to, to explain away Trubisky's uh, little jump in performance, and I would say the Packers uh, and Pettin's zone, man zone, matchup zone uh, defense is going to be a really good litmus test for is this real or is this just another blip that's going to make us sad down the line. So I'm looking for that. I'm looking for quick decision Mitch. I'm looking for him to run the ball. I'm looking for um, RPOs to come back into the into the uh, Bears offense. I've really enjoyed what I've seen and the adjustments they've me- they've made for how to get Mitch – uh, untracked for getting him out of the pocket and extending plays and half field reads and all that stuff. So let's see some more of that. And come on, man, how good would it feel to go to eight and six with a chance to, to hang in there, to move the Packers down to 10 and four to make the Vikings think they have a chance for the division title. Let's really muck things up. And so, we're on house money, you guys. This is about development for next year. This is about the return of hope. This is about not having to totally shit can the Mitch Trubisky era and and move on and try to figure out what's next and perhaps fire Nagy and perhaps fire Pace and blow the whole thing up. This is the sweet spot for us. Our hearts aren't on the line, but we're still out there and there's still something worth playing for. So uh, it hasn't been the season we thought it would, but that doesn't mean it's not fun. I'll see you on Sunday. FTP. Go Bears.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.